Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was a lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning. Join culture creator Ramel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. I believe that children are future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty is, they possess inside. That one is way worse because it's just so cornball. Yeah. Okay. So thanks. You can use this one. Yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> Give them a set. <laughs> <laughs> to make it easier. Welcome to the Voice of San Diego podcast in partnership with News Radio 600 Kogo. I am Scott Lewis, the CEO and editor in chief at Voice of San Diego. I'm joined as always by the managing editor of Voice San Diego, Andrea Lopez Viafania. What's up, Andy? Hey, Lewis. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. And reporter Jacob McGuinney. Hello, sir. Hello. I, you sound a little low energy. I feel like it's because we were bantering so much before this episode. Why you gotta hurt the, him like that? It's just, just do some jumping do jacks really quick. It's just the weight of the world, Jacob. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You got you gotta, a lot going on. You gotta think about the post-apocalyptic future of softball. Yeah. I'm bothered by what sports would survive the Armageddon. Yes. Coming up on this show this week... R.I.P. to the drive-in fee. One of the most controversial plans in local politics has been killed. It was dead, to be clear, but now it's dead-er. We will (laughs) hold the funeral. And two local universities surged in a popular college ranking. That made Jacob wonder, what's up with college rankings anyway? He'll explain the methods and data of the U.S. News and World Report rankings and how they have changed. And Andrea recently came across a video where the Barrio Logan Community Planning Group booted a police officer from its meeting. She wanted to know why. She found out. Finally, PolitiFest is here. Next week, we'll be hosting our annual politics extravaganza. We've got some good news about our favorite panels. Get stoked. It's going to be a good show. Stay with us.
lot of people are struggling today. They had a, they had something special they cared about. Somebody they could always turn to when they needed to. Somebody that was always there to help them make their point, see their vision, get across what they needed to get across. It's gone. We're thinking about them today. Our hearts are with them today. I I know that a lot of people are in pain today. But we stand with you. Something else will come up. You'll be able to turn to that person or that thing. But we know what this meant to you. Driving feet. I'm going to miss you. Jim Desmond's going to miss you. Rebecca Jones. Bill Wells. Amy Riker. Carl DeMille. They all are going to miss you. But that means you'll be alive. Forever. For all of us. Bye, driving fee. <laughs> that doesn't earn us a Pulitzer. I don't know what will. That was that was very very touching, Scott. I I when we talked about this this morning, I wasn't sure that you had it in you to 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 do that, and I was proven wrong in spades. Well, well. I, honestly, I really did feel for a lot of people this week. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they knew the the cow was going to get killed. They, everybody said this cow is going to get slaughtered. Yeah, we don't want this. Cow. <laughs> they decided to hold a protest to say you better kill the the cow. Mm-hmm. We hate this cow, even though it was set to be slaughtered. It had already been decided it was going to be slaughtered, but they they had it. And it was because they knew they were going to lose this cow. Well, th- this is the danger with politics, right? You never want to succeed. You always want to have the thing that, right. that you're pushing for, and you always want those other bad people to make sure that it's just a little bit out of reach, you know, succeeding, killing that cow, or in the ca- this case, right. the driving fee. For several years now, a lot of people in San Diego have gotten a lot of political content out of the driving fee. Mailers. Uh, there have been entire campaigns and fundraisers mm-hmm. behind it. There's been entire uh, news segments. News segments, and I mean, didn't the Atlantic come down and <laughs> and profile La Mesa and Laura Lafayette, the yes. councilwoman over there? Yes, yeah. who news won coverage. in part because of. The outrage that she was able to help drive toward the driving fee. So let's remind everybody, several years ago in 2021, the San Diego Association of Governments planned out, offered as it's supposed to every four year, five years, 
its 40-year plan for the future of transportation in the San Diego region. Within that plan, it called for to pay for uh, some big investments in local transit and in roads and other things. It said we're going to need a fee on driving. Now, the fee on driving is illegal now at the state. So it presumed that there would be a fee on driving that would be made legal and then passed somehow either through a fee or through uh, you know some vote of the people. And so all of those assumptions were built into the document. Now, they were in there for two reasons. One, people are driving electric cars more and more. We presume they'll do that in the future more and more. And that means they don't pay the gas tax. And that means that the money from the gas tax will eventually, you know, peter out. And so something will have to replace that if they want to keep investing in roads at this level or in, in transit at this level, other things at this level. And Hassan Akrata and other people in charge of Sandag and across the country have realized that if you want to reduce the number of miles that people drive, you should make it cost more. And that means either tolls or congestion pricing. You know what congestion pricing is? No. It means like in some urban areas, the closer you get to certain city centers on the busier times, the more you have to pay in a toll. So that it's it's it the cost of what you're doing to that city is more reflected in that. Right. And Basically surge say. pricing for power, but right. with tolls. Right. So the idea is that you you would reduce people only people who really needed to drive would drive at that point. So it discourages driving and it funds and backfills the funding from the gas tax. Why? I don't want to pay, so I'm gonna take a trolley to work from now on. Or I'm not gonna go. Yeah. Or yeah, or you know, maybe my employees will face this too much, we'll encourage remote work. Who mm-hmm. knows what that might result in. So mm-hmm. this sort of thinking was in the 40 year plan. Now immediately, immediately all the people who supported it got enough blowback from it because the, there's a lot of people who saw how that would resonate with the public in a negative way. And they jumped on it right away and said, they want to make you drive and pay to drive. That's crazy. And people were really upset about it. And so Todd Gloria, mayor of San Diego, at that point, Catherine Blakespear, the mayor of Encinitas, who's now an assemblywoman, they backed off immediately and said, okay, we'll take it out, we'll take it out, we'll take it out of the plan. Now, it, it has taken literal years to take it out of the plan because they submitted that plan and you know the, the state still hasn't decided whether if you take it out of the plan, the plan actually reduces the greenhouse gases the way the state law says you have to. Anyway... For three years now, people have been using the fact that this was in the plan as fodder for their political framing. And now, it's dead. This week, the San Diego Association Board of Directors voted, overwhelming majority, not completely unanimous, to remove the fee or any plan for the fee in the future transportation plan that they're crafting for 2025 and 40 years after that. It's done. It's dead. So uh, what, what does this look like? I mean, what do we have any idea of, of 
is the plan just completely impotent now? Is there no no money to fund other priorities? I, I, I mean, it's as you said, the state is still trying to seems parse out what what exactly this means. But do we do we have a an idea that we can give listeners? Remember, this is this goes back to one of you know my big themes. I always try to get across, which is that it's really easy for these entities to say we want to reduce greenhouse gases. And yet it's really hard for them to actually do the things that the, that, that, you know, achieving those goals would actually require. Yeah. Right. It's really easy to say we want to, you know, have net zero in, in San Diego and, and, and then say to do that, we're going to have people live in, you know, more density closer to their jobs. But then when it comes to actually passing the zoning plans that would do that, it's a lot harder. It's just like you would, you know, it's very easy for you to say, I want to lose 25 pounds, but when you get hungry, you know, that's where it really is hard, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot harder than, than just saying you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we saw here. And so they, they came into contact with what it would take to do that. So I don't know what they basically said is we're just not going to do this. Mm-hmm. So they still have to come up with a plan for the next 40 years that says, here's what we're going to do to reach these goals without one of the most important tools, which is a funding mechanism and a deterrent to driving. I don't know what they're going to do. I would bet they just kind of do a little bit of transit, a little bit of roads like they used to do, and then tweak the numbers enough and then hope that the state accepts it. And it's up to the state to say, nah, it doesn't work or not. Well, that'll be exciting. Do you feel bad about the driving fees demise? I mean, it's sad. It was so young. It wasn't with <laughs> Never us really had a chance long. to live, right? No. No. Like, you know, I really no. just want to spray paint it into a really cool shirt and put RIP and <laughs> little angel wings. Or um, on your car decals. Yeah, yeah. Yes. There you go. But right. I am curious, like, you know, what this does moving forward for all the individuals who used it in their political campaigns and in their rhetoric. Um, I don't know. Do they pick up something else or? Well, that's what I, I was looking up, um, just just catching up on the news and like the NBC story about the vote. Like it, it leads with Rebecca Jones was leading the push against, so she's the San Marcos mayor, mm-hmm. leading the push against the driving fee. They there's like ten people who have claimed at any given time that they've led the push against this driving. It's like they hand it off. Okay, it's your turn <laughs> to lead the push. Bill Wells running for Congress, mayor of El Cajon. Jim Desmond, county supervisor. Uh, Carl DeMaio, uh, uh Amy Riker. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of them at some point said like, "I'm your, I'm your champion. I'm going to get rid of this driving." And and I understand why because. It's one of those issues that really did penetrate to the to the normal people, right? That they like, oh, you're, they're you know, that they're gonna drive, charge us to drive. Now you already pay to drive, like <laughs> it's, it's in the fuel taxes. Get, I get it. I understand what you're saying. It did, it did have a, a triggering effect. That uh, I don't know what they're gonna have now to to point to. You know, ultimately, I, I think that that it, well, and I think we'll see the effect. Uh, you know, Amy Reichert is 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 barreling into this election. And so we may see if the success of this, if there is some sort of like glory afterglow on, on that, that comes off on, on any of the baton wielders of, of, right. you know, this, this, I like, got this done. Yeah. Like yeah. what yeah. I already accomplished. Or, or if they end up just missing out on, on, you know, the driving fee cows milk, uh, as they move forward. 
Right. Um, you know, it'll be it, it and I, I do not doubt these are all, you know, very very innovative and genius people. I'm sure they will find a new a new something to pillory, you know. Yeah, I mean this the, and this is where like the best stuff comes is in planning documents going forward where mm-hmm. they list like random things. Hey, you might be able to pay for this, you know, future infrastructure with a tax on um, your tulips, and everybody's like, tulip tax? <laughs> They're trying to pass a tulip tax. You poor little tulips are just there being tulips and you're gonna they're gonna make you pay for them. And then everybody's like, can you believe they're trying to pass the tulip tax? You should you should try and get a ballot measure for like a, a residential palm tree eucalyptus tax. Oh my god. Oh wow. Yeah. That's a good idea. I sometimes was poking around at, on <laughs> on real estate listings and there was this house in the Sunset Cliffs area, way too expensive. Of course. But I uh I was looking at all the photos and it was just, I was just like there are so many palms there. It was like a like a infestation of palms mm-hmm. and I and then one of the photos uh, next photo it was a list of all the different types of palms on the property and it was four columns long. Wow. And I was like this is a nightmare house. This is like a haunted <laughs> house. The frond situation must be out of control. <laughs> You, the berries bring the price down. Ah, it's just like every day you'd hear like falling things and you'd, you'd, you'd be juices all over the place. <laughs> Not the juices. It's just it's there's horrific. There's juices. Yes, there's juices. There's the cat, it collects dust the and rats, soot. The and rats. The rats oh. are everywhere. Oh, God. And the fronds. It's just, I was like, you'd, I'd have to burn the place down. It's getting pretty graphic. To live there. Yeah. Well, uh, you know that's an idea for you. You can you can take that for and 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 use it for your um, yes for every palm tree that sprouts on your house. It's a fifty dollar fee to the government. <laughs> the palm tree tax. People would hate me. They'd be like, they'd show me and be like, your your very specific kind of nerd would black would, and white would love photo you. of me. Yeah, then there'd be like yeah. ten fans like get the palm tree tax fast. <laughs> a Photoshop of you with like a flamethrower burning down. <laughs> Scott Lewis wants to kill California's identity. <laughs> so we are heading into the twilight of Hassan Akrata's term as CEO of Sandag. Um, I would assume probably in no small part to to do to, you know, push back like this against things like the mileage tax. Yeah, somebody had to pay for how badly that's been taken. Now, I don't know why, like, Todd Gloria or everybody, like, they don't just jump on it too and be like, we killed the mileage fee because, like, they're already against it. This is what yeah, that's con- true. This is what conservatives are better at than liberals. When liberals do something like that, they're like, "Oh," and they're all meek and quiet about Just it. Sitting but in the corner, wringing their hands. Yeah, you if you're know? gonna make it happen, if you're gonna be against it, you might as well be against it in a way that benefits. Hmm. You know what I mean? Instead, you just look like the patsy who didn't have. Who who put it forward and then and then backed off to this incredibly persuasive, powerful movement that these guys put together, right? You know, it's just like might as well just like own the decision. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know what they're gonna do. I you know, I again, it's been my prediction that somebody very quiet will take that role, and they will produce very much less interesting documents and plans and projections and infrastructure visions going forward and people their hope will be that people pay far less 
attention to San Diego Association of Governments than they have over the last few years. Well, we won't. The U.S. News and World Report uh, does the super popular college rankings course. You check them out and see where things are. Now, Now, colleges, I think, over the last few years have been like... Those are ridiculous. We have no interest in doing that. And then, of course, when the issue comes up, they're probably like the first to grab it <laughs> yes, to see yeah. where they are. Now, San Diego State and UC San Diego saw their rankings improve a lot. And you were just curious why. What happened? Yeah, so I, I think you're right. There is this sort of like, you know, when somebody asks somebody out and they're like, yeah, I'm joking, like unless you say yes sort of thing. <laughs> there is that sort of vibe with colleges, right? And 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 – for good reason. I mean, the rankings have have been pilloried by people for years. Everybody from Education Secretary Miguel Cardona, who who didn't mention the U.S. news rankings in particular, but but just called ranking systems in general a joke, um, and from other colleges who I feel rightly have sort of attributed a lot of kind of the gamification and and transformation of colleges, especially elite colleges, into like a luxury good product. Yeah. Like, you know, Yale is a Rolex now. Um, which I, I don't, I think it's probably always been that way, but it's much more transparently like that. Um, and I, I think partly in due to that, or partly due to that, um, you know, criticism, U.S. News revamped its its criteria. You know, they have a whole bunch of of factors, each weighted different percentage, uh, and they revamped some of their some of their criteria. Uh, I'm, I won't like bore you with the whole breakdown because there's like almost 20 different little factors. But um, the big thing to understand is that the percentage role of some factors was adjusted and other factors were eliminated. Uh, for example, like alumni giving average and the high school standing of, of incoming students, that both of those factors were eliminated. Another uh, factors that U.S. News equated with social mobility, like first generation graduation or mm. first generation performance rates were included. Mm. Um, which I think is good. You know, we should not be judging colleges based on how much their alumni are giving, how big of an endowment they are, mm-hmm. they have. We should be judging them on, based on the, they, the product that, that they are, which is a social mobility product. Right. Are they helping people become better people with more opportunities after they leave? Right. Yes, that's, that is exactly it. And so under these new, this new sort of tweaking to the methodology, um, both UCSD and SDSU rose. Um, UCSD rose um, sort of moderate six places to become the 21th, 28th uh, overall college nationally. And uh, SDSU shot up 46 places to become the 105th ranked college uh, nationally. And when you just kind of narrow that down to public colleges, mm-hmm. UCSD rose to sixth and SDSU rose to 51st. Mm-hmm. And th- that's a good, you know, uh, increase for them. I, I applaud them, but I also think that these rankings are very stupid and that they should not <laughs> exist. Um, Congrats on your stupid, stupid. accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was the original headline, basically. It was UCSD and SDSU shot up in the rankings. Like, should we care? Yeah. Which, and then Jacob was like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was too long. You know, there, I forget what it's called, but there's a, there's a rule in headline writing that if it's a question, yes. it's always no, right? But I thought it was funny, so I yeah, was going to askew that rule momentarily. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, so again, I think that this social mobility 
this move in the social mobility direction is 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 a good thing. Um, but ultimately, I don't think that rankings are healthy. It encourages colleges to gamify this process. It also encourages them to just like straight up lie. Mm-hmm. There was a dean for Temple University, I believe, who is in prison now because he falsified data. There <laughs> is a lawsuit against U.S. against uh, the USC, I believe, the School of Education for essentially massaging data or not submitting certain data to make them look better. Mm. Uh, and, and there's also, again, this sort of luxury good transformation that happens where uh, if you are partially judging a school based on how selective it is, that gives schools a motive to make themselves more selective, which is just like bad. (laughs) We should have more kids have access to college, especially good colleges than than less. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and so the the winnowing of that simply so that a school can flip up a couple spaces on, on what is totally kind of in in my mind um you know a a subjective list is just straight up bad Mm -hmm. and so while i do appreciate that there is a data aspect to this i think that's what we need right we need more data and less rankings um so that kids can have all of the information they need Mm -hmm. you know there was i read this um inside higher ed article that that was kind of arguing that you know, this move towards social mobility is good, but it's it's still selling college as a product when w- what should be sold is, you know, uh, the intellectual abilities that, that you know, or, or intellectual potential that a college can offer you. Um, it was a higher ed expert that instead of higher ed quoted. And, and I think that uh, this also that bullshit. does sound like what an academic would say. Yeah. It is. And it's, it's, uh, you should know, measure how much kids learn. Yes. I, I am in college right now and I am not going because of like the intellectual vibes that, that SDSU is giving me. I'm going for a, a piece of paper. I want this to be a transaction. You know, I give you some time and I give you my money and you give this paper to me that increases my wages over the long term. Yeah. College is a product. And mm-hmm. I think that more kids should understand it as that. Um, I love you know, the idea of Jacob like learning it off Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, if I want to learn stuff, I yeah, man. find other ways. If to I want to satiate stuff. my, you know, boundless intellectual curiosity, I'll stay up until two AM like clicking on every other link in the Napoleon Bonaparte Wikipedia page. That's that's my idea of <laughs> learning. But anyway, and this is not to say that that education isn't, you know, intellectually enriching. It is, uh, you know, as I wrote in the piece, I think education is awesome. That's kind of my job now. But at the same time, I think we need to be very realistic uh, about college. We're at a time when it is becoming more and more expensive. Um, the CSU system voted to to increase uh, tuitions by 34% over the next five years. Um, the sort of promise of social mobility that colleges uh, often made and, and for many, many years delivered on is not panning out the way it used to. There are more kids with debt. There are more kids who aren't getting, you know, coming out of college and getting the jobs that they need to pay off that debt. And so we should be looking at this product and and figuring out, deciding if it's a good investment because there are other options. You can go and be an electrician and that is a good, dignified job that you can live comfortably for your whole life and, and support a family if you want to. You can go to community college. There are new innovative you know, ways of getting a degree there. Anyway, I'm ranting because I, mostly because I'm in college and it's frustrating to me that I'm in college, but, um, but 
yeah, that's basically the college rankings vibe and, and, and way too many of my opinions about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get Jacob's newsletter and get more of those rankings at <laughs> vosd.org slash learning. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. Join culture creator Remel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's Program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. What's up, Lopez? What's up, Lewis? So uh, one of the things we go over a lot is like if something interests our team, Uh then it's probably of interest to other people. And you discovered that, I think, in spades this weekend, Mm -hmm. or this last week, about um, uh, a a video that circulated about the Barrio Logan Community Planning Group. You go to these planning groups all the time. You see things where... uh, blow-ups happen mm-hmm. uh you know people get tense it's always that weird transformation of where a normal meeting becomes something special and weird yeah. and awkward <laughs> and what happened at the bio logan community planning group yeah so i wasn't there but you know i've been to plenty of meetings where you know a person comes up or they're talking during public comment and they you know bring up something crazy and everyone in the audience is just kind of like okay this is getting really awkward um so i came across this video of the barrio logan planning group meeting um from last wednesday and um basically it was uh this guy yelling and saying that um the officer who was in that meeting needed to leave and you know he was saying like you need to get this pig out of here if you don't want this pig here you need to get him out and in the video you can see like other people's faces and they're all just kind of like looking at each other everyone's yeah remember police officers are there to give updates yeah i mean all sorts of people go to these like city council reps mayor's reps county reps you know whoever, sometimes they go and uh, police officers as well. And usually police officers, when they're there, they provide, um, you know, crime stats for the neighborhood or they listen to residents' concerns about public safety. Um, So sure enough, he was yelling. The planning group's chair um, asked the officer to leave. And so he just immediately got up and left. And, um, you know, that was really interesting to me because I was like, what, you know, why did that happen? Like there has there has to be a story behind why this person standing there 
uh, demanding that the officer leave in such a way to the point where like they couldn't continue their meeting. And so they did have to ask him or they asked him to leave. Um, So I found out that the day before the meeting, um, this was September 19th, uh, two young teenagers, this is from a video I saw on Instagram, um, two teenagers were at the park and the video that I found starts exactly when the police officers are talking to the teenagers and um, these two women have kind of come up and they're recording the officers and sort of asking the officers questions. Um, why are you talking to these kids? At the same, there's a lot of like, the officers are trying to talk to the kids. The women are kind of like in the police officer's face asking, why are you even talking to these kids? Why are you bothering them? You know, it's a lot of, it's not like good communication happening, right? It's a lot of chaos. Um, but so pretty quickly in the video, you can hear the police officer talking to one of the kids and he say, the, the boy is saying, um, I'm not truant. You can call my school. Uh, like, you know, like you could give him a call. I'm not truant. I'm talking to you respectfully. And the police officer just keeps trying to talk to the kid. The woman's yelling. At some point, the police officer's like, let's just go to the car. And, you know, he might have just been trying to remove himself from whatever situation was going on with the two women kind of interjecting themselves in this conversation. Um, but so the women are like, why do you want to go to the car? Why do you want to go to the car? And the boys kind of walk away and you can't really see exactly what happened. It's just like a second goes by, but there's another boy and one of the police officers kind of starts like spinning with him, trying to knock him down to the floor. Mm. And so he eventually gets him on the ground. At this point, the women are freaking out. The other boy, um, one of the police officers is holding the top of his backpack straps And the women are kind of like, what's going on? What are you doing? What are you doing? Right. So one police officer has one kid on the floor. He's handcuffing him. Um, The other one who's standing holding on to the kid with the backpack is also starts to handcuff him. And the boy that's standing um, asks one of the women to grab his cell phone from his pocket and to please call his parents. And he like starts yelling out his password to his iPhone. Um, at this point, like other people are, you know, coming up, recording what's going on. Um, everyone's like, understandably, it's a lot of chaos, like what happened. Um, and then as the police officers take the two teens closer to the car, more police officers show up and they kind of just like drive through Chicano Park. They drive through like the grassy area, which is a huge concern to a lot of community members. Chicano Park is viewed to a lot of people in the community as a very sacred place and a place that should be respected. And so just the fact that they drove through the grass was like enough to ignite more anger from the people who were there. Um, And so, yeah, eventually all these police officers show up. I counted like eight cars, but I'm pretty sure there was more. But that's as much as I could see in the videos I saw on Instagram. And so basically the the officers put the teens in the car and people stay to kind of yell at them and then they all sort of leave Mm -hmm. then i found another video of community members and i think some relatives of one of the teenagers at least outside the police station in logan heights and um they're just kind of you know people were asking like why did you do this like what happened and the officers were trying to answer their questions um it sounded like a truance they were they wanted to investigate what they believed to be uh truancy Um, So that's why the next day when that police officer showed up at the Barrio Logan planning group meeting, which happens in Chicano Park, inside the Chicano Park Museum and Cultural Center, um, that's why people felt like they were not welcome. Mm. So I still have a lot of questions of like- And they haven't answered. 
Yeah, the SDPD has not responded to any of my emails. I sent another one today on Thursday. I'm hoping to get a response. You know, I want to know, were the officers called? Did they just happen to be driving by? Were there other reasons why they were talking to the teenagers? What time exactly was it? Yeah, what time exactly, yeah. Yeah, Because if it's a truancy investigation, that has to happen before 1.30 p.m. Yeah, yeah. And these kids were saying they're not truant. Yeah. They're saying they are, but is that the, literally the only reason that this interaction happened? Yeah. Did it have to happen? What were they doing there? There's so many interesting questions. Yeah, well. So many questions. And I think like the aftermath of all of this, right? Like I've I've seen more stuff circulation, circulating on, you know, Barrio Logan um, Facebook pages and other Instagram pages. And this sort of sticker or poster went up on one of the pillars at uh, Barrio Logan uh, or Chicano Park, um, it's a photo of a pig dressed as a police officer with a, you know, with a like a cross sign, like, mm. you know, no pigs, mm. welcome here. And I think like, obviously this community has, you know, struggled with uh, police presence. And I think it's a balance of like people wanting police officers to respond to crime. Uh, but then you have activists and other people in the community who don't quite feel comfortable having more police officers in their community. So yeah, there's like that, this tension. Could that balance be any more vivid than in Barrio Logan, where there's yeah. like a lot of people and I think even political leaders who are like, we need more police, we mm-hmm. need them closer, they mm-hmm. need to be. And then there's this whole other side that says, absolutely not. We don't this want is, police. Yeah. This yeah. is, you know, like you said, like this intense uh, anger and backlash to it. Yeah. And this probably didn't help. Right. And <laughs> so I, you know, I'm just kind of like being a chismosa, looking at different videos I can. Uh, not a lot of people are talking to me. And when I found the video of the police officers interacting with some family members and community members about this incident, what I found fascinating was like they were so set on this investigation about truancy. And, you know, one woman asked like, oh, is this an initiative of SDPD to enforce truancy? Like, like she's kind of questioning, like, is this the best use of your guys's resources? You know, and one of the police officers is like, no, it's not an initiative. It's not like a, a you know, a grant or anything that we have from the school districts. Like it's part of the municipal code. And so that's what we were enforcing. Mm. But, you know, I think the root of her question is like, do you need to be enforcing truancy issues? And was that the best way to handle something like that? Mm-hmm. So I'll keep asking questions. Yeah. Well, uh, Andrea wrote about this in her weekly Cup of Cheese May. It comes out every Sunday. You can get it at vosd.org slash cheese May. Week from Saturday is PolitiFest. It's back actually week from Friday and Saturday. So Friday night, um, we will have our first sort of, we've been doing these teaser events or uh, satellite events before PolitiFest. So October 6th at Imperial Beach, we will have a discussion about the future of coastal communities like that with sea level rise and what they're dealing with uh, and how they're going to manage the development that goes all the way up to the coast with erosion issues and such. So that's a really interesting conversation. We're excited to have that. Uh, that's just a week away, literally a week. We'll be hosting folks also uh, the next day at University of San Diego, and this is going to be a great gathering. Now, I lo- one thing I like about PolitiFest is that it's just this like, yeah, it's a, it's a big event. There's a lot of different rooms and different people, mm-hmm. 
but it's also like our way. It's not perfectly produced, you know. <laughs> like it's it's just it was smooth. It's really year. interesting people gathered to talk about policy, and there's a you know a little bit of of just it's just it's not there for any other reason than to expose yourself to those discussions, right? And I think that's just kind of cool. And it's so every one of these panels is just its own little act of journalism with these interesting people mm-hmm. to try to like get their information further out. And then our job is to like, you know, harvest all that later and try to see what we can make a post out of it from what people say. And there's some really great discussions. So I did confirm our old friend Liam Dillon, uh, the reporter at Exciting. LA Times. He's our housing, he's the housing, probably one of the best housing reporters in the country, if not the, definitely in the state of California, he has done a lot of great work about the, uh, what is happening with the state, uh, and what it's enforcing on local communities, um, to, to meet their housing goals and how local landlords are taking advantage of that. We hope, uh, to pair him up and it looks like, uh, attorney general Rob, Rob Bonta is coming. Um, and, uh, we're, we're going to uh, arrange that. We haven't confirmed exactly what time that'll occur. So, Check your schedule and be ready for that. Uh, he, uh, you know, Bonta's willingness to enforce some of these laws and housing goals and such is exactly what's on the table for that. So we're all going to make a pitch for one part. You guys are ready, right? Of, of PolitiFest? I think so. Yeah, I can Lopez? go. Okay, go. Okay, well, I'm going <laughs> to moderate this one. So all right. that's really it. You yeah. know, it's going to be good. Come see me. Come see me. <laughs> um, I So I'm moderating the Cost of Water Smackdown. And I really think it's going to be a really fun conversation. I'm hoping it gets pretty spicy. Um, I have Nick Serrano. He's the vice chair of San Diego County Water Authority Board. And Jack Beebe. He's the general manager of Fallbrook Public Utilities District. And so they're going to go head to head on uh, the cost of water as well as other issues. Right. I want to tap. Um, I want to tap them both to speak about. Um, I like the what detachment. you did there. Tap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I almost yeah. backpedaled on that one, but so Jack <laughs> runs going. Fallbrook, and Fallbrook and Rainbow are the two that are separating. And in part, mm-hmm. they say because of how high the cost of water has gotten, yes. because of desalination and these other deals that have been made. Um, and and then Nick's like, "Well, you're leaving. That's going to make everybody pay higher rates." And mm-hmm. so there's just like a there's gonna it's it's gonna be interesting. I uh, I will. I would like to watch that. Yeah, come watch. It's going to be good. <laughs> and I'm going to be moderating. Um, I'm going to go since we talked about water. Is that all right? Sure. So I will be managing a um, a panel discussion about the 20th anniversary of the quantification settlement agreement. How about that? QSA. That is QSA in the exciting. house. <laughs> uh, we joke. We kid the QSA. Yes. But it's a big deal. It was probably the biggest deal in California water history as far as a compromise sort of deal making. So the the quantification settlement, it was also the first thing I ever covered in San Diego as far as like a big issue that I followed and saw the climax and, and, and completion of. And that is the that is the deal where the Cal- – Wait, how old is it? 20 years, exactly. Yeah, thanks. Good job. <laughs> I see what you did there too. You're clever. <laughs> I'm glad you're on the podcast now. Um, so California was using a lot more of, of the water from the Colorado River than it was like technically allocated. The quantification settlement agreement 
was the first time the Imperial Irrigation District, which gets the first right to the Colorado River water that comes, like they, they used to be able to just take whatever they wanted from the Colorado River. And uh, this, for the first time, quantified how much they would take. And, um, and then they made a deal as part of that that uh, what, they, what the rest of it would go to, or a large part of it would go to the San Diego. And San Diego, in exchange, would pay the farmers at the Imperial uh, Irrigation District in Imperial Valley to let their land go fallow. And um, it took a whole, uh, uh, it sounds like a pretty technical small thing, but it took four agencies, the Metropolitan Water District, the Coachella Valley Water District, Imperial Irrigation District and San Diego County Water Authority, they all had to agree to us. And it was like really tense leading up to this about all these deal making. It takes it took years and years of of negotiation, of lawyers, of just thousands of pages of documents. And uh, it really did kind of, you know, set in set in motion the future of water for the American West. So we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of that deal. Now why is it such a big deal? Well, if you go through like human history, the, the, let's say when, when humans invented currency, for example, like they, they were able to start to make things happen with currency that you couldn't do before. Like when you, when it was just guy, like an apple grower would trade apples for, you know, shoes. Well, if the shoemaker didn't want apples, then there was, there was no way to make that happen. Right. Well, currency made that happen, made it possible for the the value of the apples to become something that the shoemaker would also want and go and they could start trading for real. Well, in a similar way, like this put a value on water and in, and it made it so that the right to water was quantified and valued for the first time in a way that you could now foresee other people using. The states, for example, have to decide how to use Colorado River water and how to divvy that up in a way that means that Arizona doesn't have to go dry because right now if you just if the if you just left the rules in place as they are now and if the Colorado River started losing so much water uh, California and Utah and Nevada and everybody else could take the water they needed and Arizona would have to go dry mm. like uh, Phoenix goodbye (laughs) now that's not going to happen obviously but how we avoid that happening and the deals that are going to have to be in place are similar to what we had to arrange in san diego imperial county and and la Mm -hmm. so we have the actual um ceo of the metropolitan water district coming uh, adele haja khalil and he's going to be um talking from the from now LA's uh, Metropolitan Water District is one of the biggest agencies in the world it is such a big and powerful agency and for him to come down and meet with his counterpart in San Diego County uh, Dan Denham the water authority uh, chief and uh, uh, the water manager at uh, Imperial Irrigation District Tina Shields she'll come and then a big part of this as well was there was supposed to be a lot of money and a lot of resources set aside for the Salton Sea uh, so just some other background, because so much water came from the Colorado River and flooding that would come from that into the Imperial County and the Imperial Valley, well, all of that flooding and all of that water created the Salton Sea. And the Salton Sea is this like giant inland, you know, lake that's salt water, 
But because of how much like water was there, it created this like incredible wildlife ecology out there. Well, because of the cutbacks in water and because San Diego took so much of Imperial Valley's water and all these things going on, it's drying up. And if it continues to dry up, it not only doesn't exist as a wildlife preserve anymore, it becomes a a vast air pollution hazard because all of that uh, sand and underneath it will dry up and become uh, arsenic and other things in the air. And so it's a huge problem going forward. And this deal was supposed to protect the Salton Sea going forward. It did not. And so we have somebody representing uh, that side of the discussion as well. So it's going to be a really great debate. Also, Mackenzie Elmer took it to another level. And she's got uh, water officials from Nevada, um, Arizona, and and California coming together for a discussion about the bigger discussion about how to use the Colorado River water. There has not been gathering of western water officials just for the public like this ever we have created that and it's going to be a really special thing so you may not care about water but you will if you come and watch some of these discussions and for the first time you as just people will be able to ask questions and be there to talk to people who uh, are making these huge decisions about the future of the most precious resource uh, around Wow. Well, I, I feel like I should have gone second. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm going to just mention two very quickly. Um, I, I, I'm very much looking forward to Lisa's panel, uh, what it's like being homeless. Yeah. Um, he'll, she will, uh, it will feature a couple folks with lived experiences. Uh, uh, it'll feature Levi Giafalione and Natalie Rashke. Um, you may remember Natalie Rashke uh, from uh, Lisa's previous reporting. She was, she uh, and her family we're living in an RV and in and, 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 uh, motels and struggling to find a way to get off the streets. And Lisa's reporting contributed to their being able to to do that. So I, I'm really looking forward to that. It'll be a sort of first person perspective of, of what it's like to be homeless and hopefully will dispel some of the the myths that that folks who who just really haven't experienced that have developed for themselves. So that that will be very exciting. Um, and the other one that I'm looking forward to a lot is the D4, District 4 County Supervisor debate. It will be um, Monica Montgomery Stepp, who is trying to rise from city council to represent District 4 uh, on the County Board of Supervisors, the uh, seat that Nathan Fletcher has vacated um, after his resignation. Uh, and her challenger, well, I guess the the other candidate in this race is Amy Reichert, who formerly faced uh, Nathan Fletcher in the, was it 2022 um, election? So this will be a, an interesting debate. I mean, I, I think that based on the demographics of the district and, and you know, voter registration, um, it, it seems like it may be Monica's race to lose. But Amy Reichert has, you know, been pretty resourceful. We'll see if she comes up with a new punching bag that's not the uh, the, the driving fee. And a lot of people find her compelling as when they meet her as well. It's, it yeah. should be a really interesting um, discussion. I think I, I it's there's so many good panels and debates like I uh, almost forgotten, and that's going to be a great debate and yeah. discussion. Yeah, and and as you said, I mean, one of the things that Amy she kind of. Um, came up during the pandemic as this sort of like anti-shutdown warrior, but she really describes herself as this sort of like disillusioned liberal, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, A former Democrat who over the pandemic and probably slightly before that has, 
has kind of awoken to a conservative way of thinking and and so it should be interesting to see if she has if she has some perspectives that are that are attractive to to voters in that district. Yeah, one of the things she made a big deal about in her campaign was the uh, opposition to SB10 which would have allowed mm-hmm. developers to build in in areas used to be reserved for single family homes. We'll have a debate about that and I'll manage that one. I'm very excited. Uh, to have a discussion about that and manage that. I'm sure it'll be easy to manage <laughs> and won't be difficult at all. We also have uh, Tigus Lane's going to be ma- moderating a d- uh, discussion about all those laws that California is trying to impose on on cities to to meet their housing goals and, um, and some of their uh, perspective on that. Richard Bailey will be there. Uh, Catherine Br- Blakespear, Blakespear will be there. That'll be a great discussion. Uh, there's so much more. There's a, a professor who did a, a study about the homeless uh, and 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 what we know about them and the data that she was able to collect. A massive study in San Francisco. She'll be here to speak with Lisa Hammerstadt about mm. that. I mean, you could just go on. It's such a great yeah. discussion. Please consider coming. Uh, we could uh, uh, use even if you just want to sign up and and buy a ticket and you don't know if you're going to come. It would help ensure that. Uh, this kind of thing can keep going as well. Politifest.org, P-O-L-I-T-I-F-E-S-T, politifest.org, uh, and you can get your tickets there. And uh, you won't regret coming. Uh, it's a chance to meet us, chance to talk to everybody uh, that are around. Uh, there's a lot of uh, politicians that show up, a lot of uh, important people, and, and it's a chance to, to really get to know them or, or to see them. Again, nobody does this. Nobody does anything like this where... Uh, people making decisions about water or politicians or all these important issues are just brought to you for the express purpose of making them available and 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 challenging them to help educate uh, the public about what they're doing or, or or hear feedback about how well they're doing it. So yeah. again, politifest.org. And if nothing else, uh, you're listening to this podcast now. We will be recording a live podcast. So if you want to come and see how the sausage is roughly made... Uh, Yeah. Come give it a watch. And uh, play some of our game. There you go. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Voice of San Diego podcast, the most popular public affairs podcast in San Diego. Don't forget to get your PolitiFest tickets now at politifest.org. You can get the live streams for free if you register. And the best bang for your buck is an all-day Saturday pass. That's $65. Um, As always, students are free, and you can see all the details at politifest.org, including the full schedule and all the panels that our hosts were talking about in the show. The link is in the show notes. No Friday show next week. Instead, we will see you at PolitiFest. Scott Lewis is our CEO and editor-in-chief at Voice of San Diego. Andrea Lopez Villafania is managing editor. Jacob McWinney is our education reporter. I'm Nate John, producer for the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.